Are you ready for the word this morning? Okay. Uh, I want to start with a verse, and uh, you can write this down or look at it with me, but it's Nahum 1.7. Nahum 1.7 in the English Standard Version of the Bible. And it declares, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. One of the things we need to comprehend and understanding and have understanding of concerning a God is that he is good. We serve a good God. And he is also a stronghold in the day of trouble. Now, at some point in your life and my life, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. But the Lord's promise to us is that he's a stronghold in the day of trouble, whatever you're facing. And it goes on to say he knows those who take refuge in him. I believe that's a determination on your part to take refuge in him. Make God your refuge, that safe place where you can find what you need in time of trouble because he's there to help you in that moment of trouble. He's he's going to help get you through those challenging times in your life. And it seems like there's challenges all around us, right? So we're going to just start with a word of prayer. So join your faith together with me. As we pray, Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to minister your word. We thank you for those who've tuned in from our online family and those that are gathered here in this auditorium. Father, let there be an opportunity and an avenue for you to move in their lives today. We ask that you speak something, Father, of significance to us by your spirit to encourage, to challenge, and to build us up in our journey with you. In Jesus' name, Father, we declare every principality and power rendered harmless and ineffective against us as your word goes forth. Father, thank you for your presence, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, Father, that would empower us to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, We are starting actually a new series. It's a three-part series called Divine Interruptions. Now, uh, many of you deal with interruptions all the time, especially if you have toddlers, especially if you have young kids. There's constant interruptions. How many of you have been interrupted recently? Okay, okay. Jeff's hand went up right away, so some of you are a little more slow to respond. You have to think about it. But, yeah, Interruption is really a part of life. Uh, No one likes to be interrupted. We have our plans and our list set, uh, things we want to do and things we need to get done. Sometimes in the middle of an ordinary day, our plans can quickly change with an unexpected interruption. Would you agree with me on that? And when... We realize, though, when God changes our plans and interrupts our schedule, that's what I call a divine interruption. Because all interruptions may not be divine, and divine meaning, you know, God-focused or God-directed. And, you know, I, I think about one divine interruption in my life. I was enrolled in college to go to... My desire was to become an architect, so I was all enrolled, and I was ready to, and I received some grants and everything to do that, but God interrupted my life, and instead of going to architect, you know, college to 
get learn all that stuff. I ended up going to Bible college. There was a total shift in his directive in my life. That was an interruption. And if I would have missed that interruption and not responded properly, I would most likely not be standing before you today and, and, and leading this congregation as, as a, a lead pastor. And so some interruptions that God wants to do in your life may set the course of your journey and set you on the path that he's determined for you. So we don't want to miss a divine interruption, do we? I'm not saying that every interruption is divine because it may actually be from the enemy. We have an enemy. Yet even then, God can turn those disruptions around if we acknowledge him and allow him to intervene in the midst of that interruption. I believe that getting God involved in your life is not as difficult as you may think. Let me say that again. Getting God involved in your life is not as difficult as you may think. But it makes all the difference. In fact, the scripture tells us, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sometimes it starts by just simply calling out to him. Reaching out from the depth of your heart and crying out to God, God, I need you right now. You have unanswered questions. You're facing situations that you don't know how to handle or respond to, but you can call on him, and, and he will show up. So how do we define interruption? Well, interruption is defined as an obstruction or hindrance caused by a breaking in upon any course, current progress, or motion. It could be a stoppage, an abrupt stop or halt. It could be an erupt occurrence that interrupts an ongoing activity. Uh, in, in speech, it can be a rude action by another person who's talking out of turn. You know, um, have you been interrupted? Maybe if it's by your kids sometimes, you know, that's one thing. But if you're in a conversation, somebody just blurts out and interrupts you, that can be a rude thing, right? At least it can be received that way. Interruption is a great source of frustration for many. And, and I'm, I could put myself at the top of the list, okay? Um, often when we attempt to offset the possibility of interruption, we attempt to be prepared for it. In fact, one example would be um, if you want to be prepared for a flat tire, make sure you have a spare in the trunk of your car, right? And so sometimes we can anticipate an interruption by being prepared for it. Not in every case, but in some cases, for sure. Or um, sometimes you can silence your phone to avoid interruptions. Um, and then no one can get a hold of you at that moment because at that time, maybe you don't want to be interrupted. And sometimes we all need that space, maybe quiet time with God, or you just need time alone and to, to walk through some things. But don't leave your phone on silence too long because... Um, your spouse might be trying to get a hold of you to give you a grocery list. I think one of, one of the things I hear way too often, didn't you read your texts? I said, well, I'll read them right now. <laughs> too late. <laughs> yeah, how many of you are guilty of that? You know, either spouse, it can go either way. Haven't you read your texts? I've been trying to, yeah, this day of technology, it's, it's a blessing to have that advantage, but sometimes it can cause frustration, okay? And so, uh, how many times do you say 
I didn't plan for this. See, we're living in a time when things don't always go as planned, right? Uh, so that doesn't mean we stop planning, continue to plan, but be assured and know that your plans can be interrupted, okay? And so uh, how do you respond to interruptions? Uh, they're usually perceived as an inconvenience. At least that's how I perceive it. Oh, I have to do this. You know, um, yesterday I'm, I'm, you know, just preparing and spending some time with the Lord. And I get a phone call from our security company saying that the alarm just went off at the church. I'm thinking, oh. And then I thought, well, I'm preaching on interruptions. And so thinking, okay, this is an interruption. Now, how am I going to respond to this? Because I have to minister to the congregation. I better handle this well. Or, um, and so I had a great attitude. I talked to the dispatcher. He asked, do, we, do you want us to send law enforcement? I said, no, I'm only five minutes away. I can, I can take them out if I need to, you know, whoever's breaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just make sure I have my concealed carry and whatever. No. <laughs> and I, I, actually, I just, I came here. The building was secure and there was no issue, but I'm thinking that uh, with the, the wind was kind of brewing right before that time. It was around 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and it may have just set the alarm off accidentally. But uh, I think we got some insight. I had Tim check the footage because we have video cameras, so we know who the culprit is. No. Anyway, <laughs> no problem. Um, but it was just one of those interruptions, like, oh. And I'm on the first of the call list because we only live uh, a few minutes away. I think uh, Tim, our financial director, he's second, but he lives more in Plover there. So anyway, so I want to give you a list, and, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, um, because obviously uh, one's expectation does not usually make allowances for interruptions, and frustration is usually the outcome. But these are, there are three things you need to know about interruptions. Number one, Interruptions come at unexpected moments. Interruptions come at unexpected moments. And I, I can tell you a little story about, about this point here. A number of years ago, and my wife is going to fault me for this because, uh, uh, right, honey? I, she reminds me every now and then. I had taken it upon myself. It was uh, Valentine's Day coming up. And I had booked a place and made all these special plans. And then I had uh, Deb pack a suitcase. And we were going to go off and just have a real romantic time together uh, celebrating Valentine's Day. And it wasn't actually Valentine's Day, but it was around that time. So it, it was still in that safe zone there. And, and so just before we were going to leave, we got a phone call. And there was an untimely death in the church. A young girl had died in her sleep at the age of 16 years old. Okay, there was an interruption. Now, we stopped everything and made the focus ministering to that family during that time of need. And so, in a time of interruption, it may be a moment where we have opportunity to minister to someone in the love of Jesus to be there as the hands and feet of Jesus. And so 
we can make plans, and we can do that. And, and you know, and, and my wife, you know, I think I got the, the same reward as if we would have did that because I actually had the intention, even though we weren't able to fulfill that, that uh, Valentine's uh, time away. Um, but she's reminded me, why, why don't you do that again sometime? And it surprised me. <laughs> and, and we attempted that a few years ago, but I had Michaela, our, our daughter, help me in the plans. We actually planned a time for her birthday. Uh, we rented an Airbnb on Washington Island, so that required driving to the end of the tip of Wisconsin, you know, the thumb, that part, okay? And getting on a ferry, crossing the ferry, going to Washington Island. So she kind of as we were heading towards Green Bay, started to figure things out. But she still didn't know we were going to Washington Island for uh, a couple of days. But um, try to surprise your spouse sometime. Uh, even if they don't like surprises, really deep down, I think they, they appreciate it, at least if you make the effort to. So, um, or uh, many of you may know that I also serve as a police chaplain for Portage County, Portage County Emergency Services. So there's a number of ministers in our community that serve as police chaplains, and we're on rotation where we're called. I've received calls anytime during the day or night to respond to a crisis, to a situation. Could be a death notification, having to tell somebody their loved one just passed away, or it could be some other emergency situation where the people request a chaplain to be on, on, on the scene. And so I kind of live my life uh, knowing that interruptions will come, but I don't let interruptions ruin my day or mess up my life. I, I could, but yeah. I, so it's, it's knowing that they're going to come, but how we respond to them are critical. So the, the second point that you need to know about interruptions is interruptions are unplanned and unpredictable. Interruptions are unplanned and unpredictable. Uh, I have a couple more stories, and this has to do with weather. Uh, Deb and I were doing a wedding down in Plainfield, Wisconsin. It was an outdoor wedding. And we had looked at the forecast of the weather, and, and there was this big storm coming in. And so uh, we thought, well, maybe we should start a little bit early with this ceremony and everyone was in place, so I think we maybe started a couple minutes early, and that's kind of challenging for a, a wedding because guests are coming and driving in from all over. And I'm watching this storm, and there's this, a little bit of a, a tent that provides some shelter, and the wind begins to gust, and this tent is doing this number. And I have to tell you, that was the fastest wedding ceremony I ever preached. I said, we got to cut to the chase here. You know, say, I do. You do. Okay, we're going to get this thing done. And man, the clouds were getting blacker. The wind started uh, getting stronger. And basically, we concluded that thing in the downpour. I mean, it was, it was like Noah's flood, I think. But anyway, I think now that was an interruption. Tried to ruin the moment of a romantic day for that couple. But we got through it. And now it's a story that probably everyone that was there talks about. Remember that wedding? You know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Another time uh, I was preaching in the country of Uganda, uh, East Africa, in the city of Mombali. And uh, we were part of a team. We had gone in there and we were uh, doing a leadership conference for pastors. 
And uh, then after that, we did an open-air crusade and actually ended up planting a church in the city of Mumbai, which um, is still very powerful and active and alive today. But I was, I was teaching a message on... Um, it, was, it was a challenging message, I think, for the African people. And I, I think the enemy was not happy with the word that was going forth. And this storm out of nowhere began to, to brew. I mean, the black clouds just started rolling in, and it was dark, and the wind started blowing. And, and the setup for the conference, there were probably about a 1,000 leaders, pastors and church leaders that were part of this minister's conference. And, and as I'm speaking, this wind is rolling in. And in the natural, I'm saying, okay, we should all head for shelter. But where are we we're going to go? Because we're in an open field, and there's nowhere really to go. The tents are set up. And so uh, the wind starts coming in. The rain starts coming down. And literally, it was a monsoon rain. And the water actually started coming from the side of the tent and flowing. Like the podium here, it was flowing right in front of me. A river was flowing right through this tent. And these people looked terrified. And they're looking to me, what are you going to do, pastor? Okay. <laughs> and so I boldly say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this storm. I rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. Peace, be still. I said that, and guess what? It got worse. <laughs> I think the wind doubled at its velocity, and the rain even came down harder. And then they're thinking, okay, I can't shrink back right now. And so I just stepped in, pressed in, and I kept taking authority. In the name of Jesus, I rebuked the storm. And you know what happened? It was a miracle. Because suddenly the rain stopped. It's like shutting off a faucet. The rain stopped. And right above the area where these tents were, a hole opened in the sky and the sun came down right over the tent area. And then the, the people out there, this is a true man of God. <laughs> and I said, thank you, Jesus, for getting me through this. They had no idea how terrified I was. But... But God has ways of making you look really good in the moment, okay? And so that was one of those things. And they talk about that today, going back to Africa. Remember Pastor Dutt? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was good. God is good. So then um, the third one here. And you think about Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, he calmed the storm. He's on the boat, but he got up there and said, peace be still. That storm was an interruption to the plan and intent to cross over to the other side. So the third point that we need to consider, uh, know about interruptions is there is an opportunity in every interruption. There's an opportunity in every interruption. Okay? Now, interruptions for me often... Uh, have been opportunities to minister to people as Jesus' representative. And I keep that in mind. Now, how do you feel about people who interrupt your day? Do you see it as an annoying interruption or as a divine appointment? And so I'm, my challenge to you today is to see interruptions differently from a different vantage point. What is a divine interruption? A divine interruption is when... Uh, 
you may be jolted out of the ordinary into something new that the Father has for you. Okay? In a divine interruption, the Holy Spirit breaks your, your routine. Uh, Moses had this encounter with a divine interruption. He was out there just caring for the sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. And all of a sudden, he sees a, a bush that was on fire that wasn't even being consumed. And as he drew near to that, God spoke to him out of the bush. That was an interruption that established a, a shift in the course in his whole life to be the one that God raised up to deliver Israel from Egyptian bondage. It was a divine interruption. He was interrupted from his daily activities to encounter the presence of God, to receive instruction from the Lord as far as what he needed to do with the calling on his life. And so sometimes a divine interruption can be focused on what God's called you to do. And maybe you just haven't recognized or responded to the call up to that point. And sometimes it requires a divine interruption for that to happen. Also, we see uh, Mary and Joseph with the birth of Jesus. That was a divine interruption in the life of Joseph and, G and Mary with the birth of Jesus. And we could spend a little time there, but we won't on that one. But let me just share, to interrupt means to break into the course of something. A divine interruption is when God interrupts you. Divine interruption is something he desires for you to participate. In other words, he's giving you an opportunity to participate in something that he's doing at that time and wants to do in that moment. Did you know that most of Jesus' miracles were interruptions? As he was going different places, you know, people crying out to him, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus started to cry out and, and then Jesus stopped to minister healing to him. Or the woman with the issue of blood as he's going to raise up Jairus' daughter who uh, was sick and ended up dying. And it was interrupted by this woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus stopped and paused and ministered to her. And so we know that uh, most of Jesus' miracles were interruptions. Jesus could, Jesus could, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Jesus could be interrupted. Shouldn't we be willing to be interrupted as well in our schedule? What we call interruption may be a divine appointment. And if we're, we're not allowing interruptions in our schedules, we may be missing some very important divine appointments that God has for us. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and many of you know about this man, he lived from February 1906 to April 1945, he was a German Lutheran pastor, theologian, anti-Nazi dissident during World War II. His writings on Christianity, on Christianity's role in a secular world had become widely influential. And his book, The Cost of Discipleship, is really described as a modern classic. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's own life was interrupted by World War II and then cut short in a German concentration camp uh, where he was hanged on April 9th, 1945. As they prepared him for death, he actually preached his final sermon. Can you imagine that? A quote he is known for is this, God's justification of sinners, declaring us righteous because of and through and in Christ is God's final word.
See, to love and serve others, you have to be willing to be interrupted, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly be crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. He also wrote that. So this man had a revelation of interruptions in his life. And I want to direct you to the scripture. We're going to look at an interruption. And we're going to see it in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 20. Actually, starting at Luke chapter 10, verse 25, known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. You've heard this one before, the Good Samaritan. And we'll pick it up in verse 25 of Luke 10. Because this is really the backdrop of, of why Jesus even told this particular parable. Uh, starting at verse 25, uh, the scripture reads, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, now realize, he's looking at what he can do to inherit eternal life. And, and we realize that no one can earn it. No one deserves it. No one can work for it. Because eternal life is a gift that's freely received by God when we turn our heart to him and repent of our sins. And so in verse 26, he said to him, in Jesus' response here, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Verse 27, and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, and he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So this lawyer knew the word, knew what the word said. But Jesus was testing him to really find out if he really knew what it meant. Okay, Because you can know what something says, but not know what it means. Understand? Um, so with this, Jesus went into the parable of the Good Samaritan. In verse 29, it says, But he, desiring to justify himself, now that's key too. This attorney was trying to justify himself. Realize, you or I cannot justify ourselves. There's only one that can justify us, and that's Jesus. If you try to justify your sin, uh, that's the wrong road, the wrong path to go on. And you will be disappointed because only Jesus can justify the sinner. And justification simply means just as if I never sinned. But don't try to justify your sin. Just repent from it, turn from it, and receive God's forgiveness, receive his justification because he paid the price for it. Okay, And so, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who and who is my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus said, um, now, now notice, the guy said, okay, who's my neighbor? Um, that's the question, and that's the whole point of this, uh, the, of this parable. He said, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, having, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. Now, these two people that passed him by should have been the ones to help him. 
a priest and a Levite who represented the law. See, the priest and the Levite represent the written and the sacrificial, the sacrificial parts of the law. Notice that neither one of them could help or were willing to help. And, and see, often religion does that. It doesn't really help those that are in need. And, and so, and, and I could, let me just say, religion and Christianity are two different things. You can be religious, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Because religion is based on what you do to please God. Christianity is based on what God has done to save you and to deliver you. Christianity is focused from God to you. Religion is your attempt to try to, to make things right with God. And, 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 and the only way you can make things right with God is for you to receive his mercy, forgiveness, and identify him as the one who paid the price for you. Your salvation is not dependent on what you do, but what Jesus has done. Your role is only to receive, to believe, to accept what he's done for you. Okay? Um, so, the law was never designed to save man, but only to tell him that he was a sinner and that he needs a savior. Both the priest and the Levite were repulsed by the sight of this man and passed by him. And they probably were thinking in their mind, oh, what did he do to deserve that? You know, he probably got what he had coming to him. They had no compassion for him whatsoever. They probably tried to pretend they didn't even see him. Um, because I'm sure they had maybe some sense of guilt because they didn't respond to the man's need. Um, so both the priest and the Levite basically just continued on their journey. And it's because the law has nothing to give, but it demands all from you. Continuing on in verse 33, it says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Verse 35, And the next day he took out two denarii, if I say that right, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Uh, verse 36, then Jesus makes this statement, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Now, as we look beneath the surface of this parable, uh, one thing we can understand and take note of is that God can use the unlikely. Because a Samaritan was really a, a, a person that was despised by, you know, Jews because they were considered a half-breed. And, and so they were looked down upon by the Jews because of, of their race, Okay. And, and so the Samaritan had every cultural and social excuse not to attend to the wounded man. Yet he allowed himself to be interrupted. He allowed himself to be interrupted. And no doubt he had a schedule uh, and worthy plans to keep. But he expended his resources and his time and energy in demonstrating compassion 
towards this man that was robbed and beaten. Now, interruptions in life are opportunities, I, I believe, to reorder our priorities so that we might be able and willing to hear from God. See, God is, I believe, diverting us to be compassionately uh, able or being in compassion to meet the needs of others in Jesus' name. Now, uh, understand this too, um, that a person walking from Jerusalem to Jericho uh, would be going down an elevation. You know, the elevation, uh, it's like, I think, 2,500 feet that you're going um, down an elevation. That trip is 18 miles. And there's desert-like conditions along the way. I've been to Israel twice, and they actually have a good Samaritan inn along that journey, that ancient road. And they also have a monastery, St. George Monastery there too. And you can go visit those sites and you can walk down the, that same road. You can do the whole journey. Some people take it. In fact, the next time I go to Israel, I want to walk that road to Jericho from Jerusalem. I think that'd be fun. I'd get my hiking boots out and uh, make sure I have enough to be remain hydrated. And let's do it, Deb. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting path. You know, if you stop by, you can stop by the inn if you're on a tour, and you can walk part of it, you know, and a lot of tour groups do that. But to do the whole journey would be, would be fascinating to me. Now, in this story, Jesus actually paints a picture that teaches or reaches from the fall of Adam to his own second coming. Uh, the background for this parable starts in verse 25 with this lawyer who's challenging Jesus. But it's understanding that since the time of Adam, the road of mankind has been down. And they went down to Jericho, okay? Uh, when Adam disobeyed God and ate of the forbidden fruit of the tree, he fell into the hands of the thief. Satan is the thief who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's significant that he was left half dead because when Adam sinned in the garden, he did not fall over and physically die, but he died spiritually, leaving him half dead. So understanding that this man that was fallen is, is a type of, of us that have fallen because of sin. And uh, a good or a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. We see that in verse 33 and 34. Now realize this, Jesus is actually the good Samaritan. He did not come by chance. He was on a journey. He had a definite purpose in coming from Jerusalem, which is a type of heaven, uh, down to Jericho, which is a type of earth. He did not pass by the other side, but he came to us. We did not have to go to Jesus. He came to us. When we are lost and dead in our trespasses and sin, the scripture says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Finally, the good Samaritan brought the man to an inn. Now, the inn represents the church, uh, a place where you can find healing, wholeness, and be built up and encouraged and strengthened in the calling and purpose for your life. So he placed you in the church, the body of Christ, and turned you over to the innkeeper for safekeeping. The innkeeper would be the Holy Spirit. And so at the close of this parable, Jesus asked, so which of these three do you think uh, was a neighbor 
uh, to him who fell among the thieves. And he said, the one who showed mercy. And that's really in addressing the original question in verse 29, who is my neighbor? Jesus just proved in this parable that he was that neighbor, the good neighbor. And so in loving your neighbor, it's really loving Jesus, okay? And, and we could get more into this and share some more insights about this, but I, I wanted to bring this to a close and talk about uh, a little more about divine interruptions. Interruptions come at unexpected moments. Um, last summer, I was uh, I had a full schedule, and, and I was meeting people in, in the afternoon. It was a Thursday, and uh, Tim Kleiner, a financial director, uh, knocked on the door, and I was just finishing up with one appointment, and he said, there's a man at the door that would like just a minute of your time. And in the natural, I said, well, I don't have any time right now. Does he have an appointment? No, he does not have an appointment. And so, and he didn't even want to come in the building. So that kind of like, okay, you know, red flag. You know, I don't know. Is this, he wants me to get me outside and do something. Who knows? I, um, I said, does he seem like a decent guy? He said, yeah. He, he said that uh, he knows you. And I said, well, what's his name? And he said the name, and I didn't recognize the name. And I thought, okay, well, uh, this might be a setup. But Tim, why don't you come with me? Walk with me. And so we went out to the front door, and the man looked at me. He introduced himself. He said, do you remember me? And I said, honestly, I, I don't remember you. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm, I, my wife, she'll never forget a face. But, you know, Deb is good at that. But... Um, and then he, he handed me his Bible. He had a Bible in his hand. He said, I want you to open this up and look at it. And I opened it up, and it had his name presented to from Matthew Malik, um, and it was uh, September something, 1979. And I'm looking at this, and when I saw that Bible, and I'm holding the Bible, I remembered going to the local Christian bookstore and purchasing that Bible specifically for him because I had prayed with him at work. We were both at that time attending UWSB, the college here, and uh, we were working at Preway, which we manufactured fireplaces. And, and so I worked by his side. I had shared the Lord with him and prayed with him to receive Jesus, and I gave him his first Bible. And said, so this, I want you to know, that this Bible has changed my life. You changed my life. And, and then it's like, wow. And that was one of those days I was, I was having kind of a down day. Like, God, am I really making a difference in this earth? Am I really, does my life really matter? You know, we all have those moments from time to time. But I was just questioning, Lord, I should be doing this. And why aren't things happening? And as maybe I've envisioned them to happen or whatever. And then the man handed me, and I withheld his name because of what he did. He handed me a check for $5,000 for the church. He said, this is for your ministry and what you're doing. And he said, I, I can't come in because I'm on my way to Green Bay. I'm visiting family. And so uh, the man was uh, actually lived in River Falls for a number of years and, and had two successful businesses. Uh, moved down to Florida. He's in retirement right now. So this last... Uh, a couple months ago, we were down in Florida. We actually got together for breakfast with him and just to catch up and different things. But if I would not have 
allowed that interruption to take place, I would not have been able to meet a man that I had impacted 42 years earlier in my life by sharing the gospel with him and giving him his first Bible. And so uh, you never know. It's, that's what I call a divine interruption. Again, um, and then we're going to bring this to close. Interruptions can come at unexpected moments. Interruptions are unplanned and unpredictable. And there's an opportunity in every interruption. And don't confuse an interruption with a distraction. Um, don't let interruptions become distractions. Interruption equals opportunity. If you see an interruption as a distraction, you will miss an opportunity. I believe this new perspective on how you see interruptions will allow you to live your life with a whole new outlook, okay? Because you won't be bothered or annoyed as much when things don't go according to your plans. And are you in bondage to to routine? If you're not flexible, guess what? You're going to get bent out of shape. Did you ever hear that one? Um, If you're not flexible, you're going to get bent out of shape. Um, Being flexible affects how you treat people, showing them God's love and his kindness. Don't see it as an interruption. See it as a connection. For that man that was in my life 42 years earlier, that interruption was a connection because now we begin to pick up where we left off after 42 years of his life and, and my life. So interruptions are unexpected moments, unpredictable situations, and unplanned opportunities. And realize that when a divine interruption takes place, we realize it's not a time for business as usual. Instead, it's time to pay attention to what God is really doing. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message this morning? I believe he's speaking to to many of us. I want to extend an invitation because maybe today you didn't plan to even be here. And maybe today God wants to interrupt you in your journey, in your life. The scripture tells us in Acts 4.12 that there is no salvation, that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I believe that God is interrupting your life in this moment for you maybe to make you peace with God for maybe you to connect with him at a deeper level because he has more for you than what you realize. He has more for you than what you can comprehend. And you, with your response to him, because he's coming along that journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he sees you in your state of being, and he has compassion for you. And he's going to pour in you the oil and the wine, salvation and the infilling of his spirit. And he's going to pick you up 
and take you to a safe place, the church where you can be nurtured and nourished and, and grow and get healthy. Thank you, Jesus. Redemption is a story of divine interruption. As the God of all creation steps into history to completely change our direction, our desires, and our destiny. What happens when you embrace a divine interruption? I believe you see yourself for who you are. And then you see Jesus for who he is. And then you realize your absolute need for him to be in your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now, maybe you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. Maybe you are not at peace with him. But today is an opportunity for you to make peace with him. You might say, Pastor, I don't know that if I were to die today that I would go to heaven. I'm uncertain that my life is right with, with him. If that's you, I would be honored to be able to pray with you to make you peace with God today. Lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Okay, I see that hand. Are there others this morning? Okay, I see that hand. Thank you for the courage and lifting your hand to respond to this invitation. I'm going to have you stand together and I'm going to lead you in what I call a, a believer's prayer. It's a prayer that we can pray to initiate God, God's interruption in our life to allow him to reveal himself to us. So repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, I come before you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, you came to me and for me to save me from my sins. I receive you now. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead to give me life. I receive your life now. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. Now just talk to the Lord in your own words. Jesus, Jesus, we call on your name. We look to you. Thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life, for your salvation. You're the God who heals and restores. You have every right to interrupt us, Lord, in this moment. Jesus' name.